Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, are we in or knives out? Our thoughts on the best games of the decade and what would you pay for a script to Star Wars 9? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. And if you really like what we do, we truly hope that you'll go ahead and take just a moment of your time just to go ahead and give us that five-star review. You can put your questions or comments there, right there in the boxes. You give us that five-star review. We truly appreciate you listening to all of us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But right now, he's still away. Josh Peterson is just away right now. Just, you know, I know, kicking back, having some fun, doing stuff with the family and all that. But in his place, once again, is my good friend, the OG of Game Source. You got to check out what he's doing today at Game Source on Facebook, YouTube, and all of his Twitch and other streaming channels. It is my good friend. Man, you've known me for way too long. I feel sorry for you. It is Jamie Monroy. What's up, man? Hey, you can't feel sorry for me. I feel more sorry for you. No, no, no. The no, same no. could be yeah, said. Really. No, 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 no. I'm just glad the original, you know, it means original gangster and not, you know, outlandish. Over overrated, you know. The no, 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 G's no, no. could stand for so many different things. No, no, no. It's me. It's me, my friend. Because you know, I have the voice of champions, or so I have been told in no uncertain terms by the commenters out there that you know, I you know, they just love my voice so much. So big shout out to them, by the way. So we won't. Golden but that's a, yeah. Take exactly. that, people. Yeah, take that indeed. But it is going to be a great episode we have for you out there. We're going to talk a little bit about the box office this weekend and a certain movie. Couldn't that be redemption for a certain director? We'll talk about that coming up in the episode. It looks like to be a Star Wars theme because we're ta- that has a little bit of Star Wars into it. Plus also as well, the guys from Apocalypse will be stopping by later in the program to talk about Star Wars with all the news and stuff and their opinion on Star Wars Episode Nine. Speaking of Star Wars Episode Nine, how much would Jamie pay for a script to Episode Nine? What is floating around out there in the wild? And we'll talk a little bit more about how they got out in the wild coming up here later in the program as well. Plus, Jamie has his thoughts on the video games of the decade and his list of the top 10 movies of all time. But first, my friend, it is another great weekend at the box office. Frozen 2 coming off that $130 million great performance here domestically and $350 million worldwide. It's on its way well over $500 million, and by the end of this coming weekend, could be even closer to $600 million or more worldwide, just raking it all in, and it's not letting it go, so to speak. So, uh, in fact, I'll just stop the let it go more puns, you know, from this point forward. So, But I want to ask you, my friend, the intrigue starts at number two. There's a movie that came out this past Wednesday, and that is Knives Out starring many great stars, including Chris Evans, one of his first movies that he's done post-Captain America. You also have Christopher Plummer, Don Johnson, Jamie Lee Curtis, 
Michael Shannon. You have a plethora of great stars, a nice cast, plus Daniel Craig as the sleuth who's trying to figure out who done it. And the reason why I'm saying this is so interesting, the reviews are very strong for Who Done It movie. The, you know, it's being considered as an outside shot as possibly one of the best movies of the year for possible Oscar contention, all that. But it's the director that gets my interest because it's Rian Johnson, the man who could be crafting another trilogy for the Star Wars universe at some point down the line, which some may like and some may really not like. Because the last movie he directed, The Last Jedi, was so polarizing. And also, in retrospect, probably didn't do as well as I'm sure Disney and Lucasfilm was hoping for. Because the first movie, Star Wars The Force Awakens, did just over $2 billion at the box office. This did about five to $600 million less, which I don't think is the direction you want the series to go in. And with Solo, it took an even deeper dive, but that's another story altogether. So I ask you, my friend, is this a true redemption story for Rian Johnson? And in some small way, will help him reestablish himself as a good director and someone that Hollywood and, of course, Lucasfilm can count on to put a good show on once again. Let me start by saying first, you took the words out of my mouth. It was definitely this movie definitely put the whodunit back in those movies. It was more of a revival of the whodunit genre and honestly a really great, you know, it was clever, really just done really well. And I think that could be a very big shout out to a huge stamp on the resume saying, here, if I can do this, just think what I could do with that. So hopefully a good step in the right direction. Hopefully it wasn't a, you know, one and done. I didn't just get lucky. I don't think this was luck. This is honestly done very well. So I I think we can see big things happening. Hopefully that trust level is there. I honestly think it's a really big mark on the resume saying, I can do this. I can do this, man. I can do it. But I tell you what, it, it just is kind of, I don't know, it's interesting. Because, you know, of course, when he's going out for interviews, all they're going to ask him is, oh, but yeah, by the way, What's going on with Star Wars? Oh, by the way, what happened with The Last Jedi? You know, or, or as you know, I call it Star Wars The Last Retcon, you know, because it just basically wiped out everything that J.J. Abrams did pretty much in the first one. But I, I don't, man, and, and with J.J. Abrams now in the Star Wars Episode Nine, rumored to be retconning everything that he retconned in The Last Jedi. So, you know, it's, it's going to be funny to see how that all plays out, but it's interesting to see after that kind of mixed reaction, which is very divisive. I mean, I've not seen this type of divisiveness in a Star Wars film at all, ever. I mean, you know, most most people do not like the prequels. Sorry, Jay Bartlett. But most people do not like the prequels. And they're pretty much unison on that one. And most people like and enjoy and love the first three movies that were produced out there. But when it comes to what was done in The Last Jedi, this has been very divisive, to say the least, as far as everything that was changed, everything that was done. And, and to me, at this point in time, you know, when you, when you, you know, in two years of interviewing people about it, it seems like you either love it or hate it. Josh is just really can't stand it. Ron McCallum, Jay Bartlett seem to me on the fence that, okay, they, they enjoyed it and they liked it for what it was. I'm just like, after all is said and done, because it had really great highs. And it had really very low lows. And I'm talking some of the lowest points in Star Wars movies as far as watchability is concerned. It was like, it turned out to me for me to be just to be like, eh. It was like a, a alright movie at best. So I ask you, my friend, with all that said and done, I mean, do you think that it's time to go ahead and just move on from The Last Jedi and to go ahead and allow Rian Johnson to go ahead and enjoy his current success with Knives Out? Because... It looks like it's going to do pretty solid, about possibly even $20, 25000000 million, but it's it's not a high-budget movie, so it doesn't really have to go ahead and overproduce that much. No, it only had a $40 million budget. So. Yeah, so it only had a $40 million budget. You're right. Uh, thank you for noting that. And then, it, So it only really has to do you know about $100 million worldwide, a little bit more than that maybe to go ahead and you know turn a nice profit for the film studio. So that, I think, is easily done because – who done it's 
Murder on the Orient Express, Kenneth Branagh's film, that did way above expectations, even though it got eh, okay reviews. This is getting better reviews. And I'll tell you what, I think this is going to be a good sign for Rian Johnson because I think this movie is going to do fairly well when all is said and done at the box office. I agree. I see this movie doing very well. Should that be held against anything else? It's like you said, it's always going to be the Star Wars questions. But but there are always going to be trolls that are just because he did The Last Jedi. It, it, they're not going to see what he has to offer. No, of course not. They're not going to let that go because that was something, for lack of a better term, they took personally. I don't want to say they really did take it personally, but they're taking it to the point like they should have taken it personally. And it wasn't even like that. Everybody has things that they probably wish they could sweep under a rug or never look back at and go, ooh. But at the end of the day, that doesn't define who they are. No, no, it doesn't. But again, some people are just going to be fixated on the mixed results from The Last Jedi and are going to go and hold against Rian Johnson now and even going forward. If and when he does this trilogy of his in the Star Wars universe, if you've even heard the shows, past shows with the Pop Culture Cosmo PCC Multiverse, even when I've described it when talking with Josh, I'd be like... <gasps> Or, or the way I say it with a, with a note of disdain or anything like that, I'm not the most confident of individuals when it comes to what he will do in the Star Wars universe. But I don't want that to detract from his skill as a director because it's obvious with the very strong acclaim for this movie that I think he's going to go ahead and prove to everybody out there that he got the Star Wars gig in the first place. And that's by being a good director. So it's going to be hopefully something that, that will go out there and remind people that he is a good director and that his work, regardless of it's whether it's in or out of the Star Wars universe, should at least deserve a chance to be seen. So I'm, I'm hoping for that anyway. So it, it looks like it's going to be a good weekend at the box office. I think after everybody goes shopping a little bit or whatnot, it's still a great weekend to go catch a movie at the theaters. And I think everybody will be going to see Frozen 2 for the family side, but for something a little different out of the norm, I think Knives Out should be the one that people should go ahead and see. Couldn't agree with you more. Definitely, if you're not seeing Frozen 2, or even if you are, make it a double feature day. Go see Knives Out as well. If you were into whodunits, <laughs> well, I always love Without them. the kids, though. Without the kids, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't take the kids for that one. Yeah, I mean, that'd be not good. wise you go see the double feature. Yeah. The yeah, kids yeah. are at home doing all the dishes. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking, indeed. What are your thoughts out there on Knives Out? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Do you think this is a redemption in a way for Rian Johnson? Or did you like The Last Jedi? Because a lot of people have found it so divisive, either love it or hate it when it concerns The Last Jedi. Is this a chance for him to go ahead and prove out there once again that he is a good director, worthy of a lot of good projects out there in Hollywood? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, speaking of games, as I said, game source, but just before we hit the break, I want to ask you, my friend, I'm going to be in the next five, six weeks or so talking to a lot of individuals out there about what pop culture products, what pop culture events, what pop culture icon material, what, you know, IPs, anything that hit them in regards to pop culture what affected them most in the decade? And since you are a man in the know, plus you're one of my longest running friends that still stuck around me after all these years. And I, again, I feel so sorry for you for doing that. But after all these years, my friend, I thought I'd give you first up, batter up, first up on your thoughts on the best video games of the decade. And like I said, take your time. It's the list that we're going to be going over. Uh, you know, I'm going to share my thoughts on, on your list as well. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on what Jamie Monroy thinks of the best video games of this decade. He doesn't like putting me on the spot. He thanks me for being his friend after all this time. But then what does he do? Puts me on the spot. 
exactly. Oh, oh, excuse me while I drop my mic. Right? He deserves it on this one, as usual. He thinks he's got me, but once again, I'm going to come with a cleanup hit. So when at my number 10 for this decade is, of course, Destiny. It's where it all started. I can't say where it's gone. I cannot say where it's gone, okay? All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. That's the, uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's at the bottom. It's at the bottom. There's a reason. It's at the bottom. I'll but tell you what, my friend. You were the most in on it when they had that demo. I, I could tell right already that you were the most sold by it. And obviously with the pedigree of Bungie and the you know stuff that they did before previously with the Halo series, I understand that. They came with a great pedigree. You had Activision behind them. You had all this hype. You had all this this really just you know uh, anticipation. Millions of people played the beta, and I think there was a really a great anticipation for the game. And then the game came out, and it was, eh, okay. But you said it really built upon that afterwards with a lot of great DLC and, and a lot of great world building after the initial response of what destiny was all about does tend to i can't say where it's gone now okay just we're not talking about destiny 2 we're talking about the original because where it's gone now we won't go there so but i mean it can't take away the fact of what it garnered when it first was in its infancy was it a lot of hype when you look back at it now absolutely i put a lot of trust in something because of who was involved with it as you said i was very on that boat when it was there. Well, next would be a game that I don't know if you're going to be able to poke as many holes in, my friend, but I'm sure you'll find a way. Overwatch. Overwatch is something that was kind of, uh, you know, when it was first announced, I think a lot of people just thought, okay, Blizzard making a first-person shooter, multiplayer-centric game? Wow, I thought that's a little bit different. I think a lot of people were underestimating what Blizzard could do. And I think with Overwatch, they surprised a lot of people out there. Strong reviews. A lot of people have embraced the community. I know with Overwatch 2 on the way, I think it's something that they feel overall has been a good success. I don't think it's been a great, overwhelming success. It has not been what World of Warcraft or maybe Diablo or you know some of their top-tier IPs have been. But this is something that is done very good. It's been able to go ahead and been ported on so many different platforms now. So it, it does have its audience. And I agree with you. It's been a very solidly rated game. And I think there's a good future. Not a great future, but I think there's a very good future going forward. Because they're in the same space with Apex Legends, Fortnite, Call of Duty, and so many other shooters of that ilk that it's really going to be hard for them to stand out to be in the mix because they're with, you know, it's, it's a blizzard game. That's not a problem to have them really stand out continuously with overwatch two. That I think will be the issue going forward, but I want to hear your thoughts of what made overwatch endear to you, because I've heard it before from Jay Bartlett. He really was psyched out about it. He enjoyed it. He watched the overwatch league, but I want to hear from you, my friend, what uh, what endeared you to put Overwatch on this, and what kind of impression did it make on you? What endeared me most for Overwatch was the fact that it was something different, something that we didn't know what was coming. You know, it's like you said, everyone's basing it all off of. Wait a minute, they make StarCraft, they make World of Warcraft. Where is this coming from? How far into left field did they go with this one? And it was great. I was a small tad bit disappointed because. I was a little more hyped up thinking there would be more of a story and we didn't get that. And I think they're going to make up with that on this, you know, next iteration with overwatch two. I think we're totally going to get a makeup for not having the story that we wanted to begin with, but eventually it didn't take away from the game. The game came in so competitively, you know, pun intended. It took over competitive esports for a, a solid while, but you also can't discount that, you know, I know what you were saying. It's just going to get caught in the shuffle with everything else. But look at Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike has gotten in that same exact shuffle, and it still survives to this day. And that's a game that a lot of people would say is so outdated it shouldn't be, but it absolutely holds its own. That it does, my friend. I mean, still people are playing it. There's still competitions. There's still 
streaming all over the internet and there's still a lot of things going on when it comes to Counter-Strike. So I could see it have an extended life. I just don't see the same kind of fervor for it, even when Overwatch 2 comes out. I mean, there's going to be initial boon as far as people going at it, but I don't see it ever hitting the, the peak of what Fortnite has, Call of Duty has. I see it being in that second tier. And if Blizzard is okay with that, it can make a nice chunk of change with the microtransactions and all that for many years to come because it caters to those microtransactions as far as the cosmetics and really people really get into that part of the equation. And for that, I can understand because I'm not, I'm, you know me, I'm a big opponent of microtransactions. I don't like them, can't stand them. If it's not a paid DLC where it's like you're getting a whole bunch of things into one, like, like for instance, when Bethesda used to do with some of the Elder Scrolls stuff, it, you know, to me, it's it's really hard just to go ahead and, you know, I'm going to fork over $2 here, $3 here, $2 here, $1 here, $4 here. I understand why people do it in Overwatch because the customization is something that that when you become part of that community in Overwatch, I think a lot of people go ahead and just get involved with it. And that's how they can go ahead and show their love and appreciation and and there seems to be more positive vibe when you play Overwatch and and play within the Overwatch community. I get that. So that's one of the few occasions where I think it's okay to have that type of microtransaction community because I don't think it's really hurting anyone. It's really hurting the game or giving anyone a tactical advantage. I agree. I agree. I'll cross the board because I do not like microtransactions at all, which is probably one reason I'm not a diehard Overwatch person like other people, but I still enjoy it for what it's worth. Um, next going down the list would be God of War. That was fairly recent. I know. What do you think we're looking at? Like 2018 for when the game launched? But still, it is one of the best games of that year. And in fact, one of the best narratives of the decade. I couldn't agree with you more. Just the story of where it went with Kratos and his son and all that. I couldn't agree with you more on that, like I said. And the fact is that they took, Sony took this IP and took it from one extreme to another. I think it's to be complimented. They took a big risk because so many people were familiar with, oh, I'm Kratos, I'm mad at everyone, I'm mad, I'm mad at her, her, and just going ahead, hacking and slashing and hacking and slashing. And, you know, it was just mindless pretty much for the most part. And you would just worry about chaining your combos and that's it. And then you completely took it into a deep left turn. And you brought it out in a time where single player narratives were a little bit in question because the fact that EA and some other companies were very adamant about their disdain for single player narratives because you can't slap a whole bunch of microtransactions. You can't slap a whole bunch of other DLC or other things that you can throw on other games that allow for more. So I think a lot of people in the industry were getting kind of worried that single player narratives were going to become passe, but with God of War and some other games like that, like Horizon Zero Dawn and some others, you really got a boost of needed energy in the single player narrative format. So I can't agree with you more that God of War should be on this list and will be on a lot of people's lists out there as far as the best video games of this decade. Yeah, I mean, it has to be story-driven. Um, regardless of it, some people, you know, it did deviate away from its roots, but that was also one of the best parts of it. It gave it a fresh new vigor and fresh new life, and I enjoyed it, still enjoy it to this day, and that's why it's on the list. But where I'm going to go next would be The Last of Us. Okay. The Last of Us, obviously, from the folks in Naughty Dog. You know, if, you, if you're a big fan of the Uncharted series and the way it told its narratives, this game, when it came out, really, if even if you didn't like the Uncharted series, a lot of people who didn't like the Uncharted series liked this game for what it did. And it redefined the zombie genre, even though you can't call them zombies. The undead genre, let's put it that way. How about that? The undead genre, I think it, it redefined as far as, once again, a great narrative, single person, storytelling game that grabs you and hooks you in for a nice 30 to 40 hour adventure that I think a lot of people are 
kind of disappointed that there's still a little bit of delays here and there with The Last of Us 2 because they really are excited because of what happened with The Last of Us. And you see the imprint on it today. I mean, this past weekend, what was one of the games that was packed in with the PlayStation 4? The revamped version of The Last of Us. So Sony has so much confidence in this series now because with Naughty Dog, and they've just done such a great job with the Uncharted series, they've done just as good a job as far as telling a narrative with The Last of Us. And I, I can't agree with you more. This is a great game. It was very high up on everyone's list as far as best games of the year. So yeah, definitely a great choice as far as your best video games of the decade. And obviously you said this one already. You touched on it in the game before this one, but Horizon Zero Dawn, of course, only because it was put out so close within the blast radius and everything of Breath of the Wild that you would have thought that it just got swamped over by all the popularity and hype from Breath of the Wild. But it didn't. It held its own. It became a classic, in my opinion, because... That game was easily, easily, one, breathtaking to just see, let alone be playing through. But just the visuals alone were jaw-dropping. Absolutely. A a, a great game. Very solid. And actually quite a bit of a surprise when it came out as well. I noticed the narrative there. Three, not one, not two, but three games published by Sony in a time, in an era, in the past few years where a lot of other publishers have decided to go ahead and steer away from the single player narrative again focusing on those microtransaction multiplaying centric formats which is fine for a lot of people out there and they're very popular and i get that and i understand that and i play them myself but i'll tell you what my friend it's great to see that even in an era where it's shifting away from a certain type of narrative that there's still these type of games that could go ahead and affect an audience in a positive manner. We're seeing it even today with the release of like games like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which you are streaming constantly on all the sites that you do, including Game Source on YouTube. So it's great to see the, the single-player narrative games still having a place in gamers' homes, especially the ones that Sony has produced. And I know we get on Sony's case a lot for a lot of the decisions that they make, but you know what? With God of War... Horizon Zero Dawn, and The Last of Us, they've done a great job of producing these type of games. So commend them on that for having the guts to go ahead and publish all these games, which looks like there's going to be more iterations in all those series to come going forward. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously everything is about the multiplayer aspect nowadays. And it's like you just said, to see single-player campaigns getting the appreciation from not only the designers, but, you know, the development companies and what have you down to the customer is just, that's great. And that leads me into my next game, the Witcher three. There you go. I see a trend forming with you, my friend. And it looks like you have very similar tastes to what I do with, with games that you want to delve into and get lost in. I do like multiplayer centric formatted games, but for me, a single player narrative game that's, you know, that you can just go ahead and get, lost in the world that cannot agree with you more with some of these choices. So really a Witcher three, what can I say? That was even a bigger surprise coming out of left field, the way it took over the industry at the time it came out and you still see the effects of it today. I know a lot of people are looking forward to a new iteration in the Witcher series. I know a lot of people looking forward to the Witcher on Netflix. And I know, I definitely know that they're looking forward to the creator's next game, the you know, the Witcher 3's creator's next game, and that would be Cyberpunk 2077. So yeah, Witcher 3, another excellent choice. I mean, you're you're on the right track. I'm on that that hype train of I guess of you know I want to get lost when I play a game and I want to play for hours at the end. I want to get lost and forget about everything else. That's the reason I'm usually playing is to leave the other stuff behind for a while. And you could do that with the multiplayer aspect but for me if i'm jumping into a game like say fortnite something like that that's just usually a quick fix for like you know boom, boom, just get it done get it over with i'm done but i want that long-term aspect and the replayability there's a lot of replayability of these single player games so any more games on your list my friend there actually is one that i know you're gonna have dear and dear to your heart i mean you're already kind of spoiling it for me but i'm looking at mass effect 2 
Yep, yep. It just barely makes the list. Nice. Get in there. There you go. Very, very nice. So tell us why you like Mass Effect 2. You know, I can already tell you already, it's the best of the series, and it's one of the Absolutely. best space operas I've ever played in my life. That was it. You sold it for me. You sold that game for me and that series so much that it now has one, that place on the list, and the infinity in my heart. You did it for me, so of course that had to be there. All right, that's been a great list so far. I cannot thank you enough for providing all these great games and your best video games of the decade. What are your thoughts out there on Jamie Monroy's list of the best video games of the decade? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, the guys from Topicocalypse are back. They're going to be talking about a lot of great things that are going on in the Star Wars universe. And then right after that, Jamie Monroy is going to be sharing his list of the top movies that he's seen. His favorite movies are coming up later in the program. Plus also as well, speaking of Star Wars, how much would you pay for a Star Wars script on eBay? We'll tell you about that interesting story coming up later in the broadcast as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. the only podcast on the internet so you know we're about to dive into star wars here in a minute how are you guys feeling about how the what's the rise of the rise of skywalker how do you how do you feel about that right now how's it shaping up i'm hearing that early screenings aren't doing so well so you guys have any hopes or expectations from it i think they're they did the emperor thing just to try to pull people back in and Lando Calrissian, I know. Yeah, uh, that's that's just that's just total clickbait. It makes me wonder though. Like J.J. Abrams had a lot of meetings with George Lucas, and I'm curious if like he didn't know what to do with it, you know, after the last one. Well, so he met with George Lucas to try to go back to the things that inspired. Because I know George Lucas did not like the Last Jedi. Oh, he didn't like anything Disney did with it. Yeah, anything at all. Nobody did. If you guys ever get a chance, watch that documentary. It's actually on Disney Plus now. Uh, Empire mm-hmm. of Dreams. It's on YouTube. Also, you can watch it for free. But it's definitely interesting. Like it was a, a long road for George Lucas to get those films made, and they just got faint. they blew up by accident. It's the best. It's the best story. Be when the, the all these studios go, out, you'll never make money. This is stupid. You're yeah. gonna have all the rights, and he. Well, um, what's well, he he Spielberg and Coppola were like right. They all hit their things like right around like the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. They, they had a studio. Well, they, he, well, he did, they they co wrote um, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. But it's like. All those guys were so anti whatever the trend was in Hollywood at the time that no one wanted to back them. And now they're like lauded as like three the, of the like the best, best directors. Well, pioneers of yeah, film ever. Because the, the industry was shutting down. Like all the people that started those studios were getting ready to, to quit. And like they didn't want to hand the reins over to these kids who had good ideas about things. And yeah. You know, then we ended up getting The Godfather. We got Taxi Driver, and you know, Scorsese's career started from that. American Graffiti, Spielberg. I remember with uh, Spielberg, he George Lucas helped him with uh, Third and Third Encounters of the Close Con- or Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yep. And he, in exchange, uh, George Lucas said, "Hey, do you want like a stake in Star Wars?" And he goes, "No, I'm okay, but I'll take two percent." You know, because George Lucas offered him like twenty percent, I think, and he took. <laughs> He took two percent, but that two percent has added up to like millions and millions of dollars. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, so Rise of Skywalker. Like, do you think that's going to take the series out on a high note? I don't know. And Ali sent me a thing earlier today. It was from some comics, something website it says Mark Hamill's tells fan to wait for Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker to release on cable. Oh dang! Really? So, oh yeah, I've heard he just he, well he so, after the last one he was just he's just all balls out about how he does not like what do you think they're doing. Well, I he's, don't think he he's cares. backtracked a lot on his interviews, but then he's like yeah. not. Well, he had to tell the company line. It's, so it's, it's in like, a contract. Yeah. yeah. So Hamill responded to a local Michigan news anchor who works for Disney's ABC affiliate. Blah blah blah. He said in a tweet, "This better be good." Mark Hamill, thirty-two tickets ain't cheap to like this thing. And then he replied, or you could wait till it comes to cable. Oh, jeez. 
Like, I don't know if it's just Mark Hamill being a troll. Yeah. Because he's, yeah. he's been doing that a well, lot Well, because it's somebody but... who's, who bought out the theater so they could watch it by themselves. Or, or with their or friends, with their friends. Yeah. and that's if you're if you're denying other people the chance to see that movie, then he's kind of like, okay. I mean, I'm I'm hopefully optimistic about it. I just hope that optimistically that they sounds like you're finish. trying to convince yourself. Yeah, it's a very passive Cause, aggressive cause, comment because a lot of people <laughs> there's a lot of hype around it because you know it's Star Wars, it's a beloved franchise. But I'm also like hopeful that what I've heard is actually true. Is that the Skywalker story, the like story of the Skywalkers, like Luke and Anakin and everything, is like it's done after this. Yeah. Because well, that's what they've been aiming for. Yeah. Well, nine films. You mean but, you'd hope. But it's like. Or does corporate? But I feel like corporate is trying to rush it so they can just get in whatever, do whatever they want with all these characters that no one cares about. Daisy Ridley has said she's not coming back to another Star Wars film after this. So, so if I was John Boyega, I wouldn't either. So, so I'm like, I'm, I'm hopeful that they, one that they do that, two that they do it, decent to good. You know, it's not. Again, I'm hopefully optimistic. (laughs) Maybe misplaced or whatever, but. I really enjoy like that franchise and that universe, and so I, I want the best for it because it holds. So, what what are your thoughts on the Benioff and Wise stepping away from the the, the saga? Thank Christ. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, from what I like, their story would have been really cool because it was about the Jedi's before they were Jedi. But but did no, you hear no, how when and how they got supposedly pulled off the project? Well, it was is something with Netflix. I read right. Supposedly, that whoever's in charge of the um, Star Wars, like whoever the Kevin Feige, Kathleen of, Kennedy. Yes, thank you. It was after the season finale of Game of Thrones, pulled them in and canned them after seeing what they did at the end of that. Also, oh, they to close out that series, and they're like, she's like, nope. Well, she's already been burned several times for what's his name? It's because they killed the mother of dragons. No, who was the director of the last Star Wars movie? Oh, Johnson. No, Rian Johnson. Oh, Rian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so, he's still working on a trilogy, and that's a fiasco. It just shows you where it's going. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think she saw like the shorm that ensued after the season finale of Game of Thrones. Like they rushed it. They did this, and you know he, all the issues. I mean, we've talked. Trying about to be before, too clever. You know, trying to be too clever. You know. Trying to do too many things in one episode. Zero fan service. And she's like, supposedly she was like, nope, this is not how I want. Because supposedly they buttoned that up quicker so they could get started on Star Wars. And she's like, no. Oh, because she's probably a fan of the show, I'm sure. Probably. You know, it, it, but that's an indicator. It's like, oh, you're you're going to hustle wrote, through this project wrote, so you can get one. to the next one. I don't know who wrote. I know Gareth. Okay, Gareth Edwards directed the film originally. Who's the? Well, I heard it was in shambles. Because he, uh, according to an interview with him, he said that Disney locked him out of a lot of the things. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's like I watched. Um, it was a little off topic. Uh, an episode of the GRE with uh, I think it was Rick Baker. Okay, he did all the old monster movies. He did like mm. the like the practical effects and stuff. And mm-hmm. he's he's like uh, American Werewolf in, in London. All that stuff. Great film. Yeah. And uh, he says that, you know, he would start out, they'd want to design, and then, you know, you'd have all these producers come in, well, can you just tweak this? Can you just do this? And it looked, ended up being a crappy product, and that's why he stepped away. But it's just like how, I think it's how it goes with Disney, is it, yeah, they have these pe- great people working on it, but they don't allow them to do their thing. That's It's a bunch of these people with the money nitpicking, saying, I know better than you do, even though we hired you to do this because you're great. That, that's why Disney. Nothing that Disney makes will the Star Wars saga is will, done. It will never evolve. The Look only at, the only reason that the Mandalorian is any good, and you both know it, is because John Favreau. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. And Disney oh, yeah. trusts yeah. him after you know Jungle Book, Lion King, Iron, Iron Man. Man. Uh, the thing with 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 Marvel is that Marvel is kind of there because they weren't like officially. It took them a long time to officially be under the umbrella of Disney. They had more freedom with their writers and directors to do things, and I think that's why Marvel, the Marvel stuff, so great because that formula has proven to be true. But with Star Wars, 
every scene is designed to sell a t-shirt or an action figure or a ticket to Disneyland. Like it's all everything's a marketing design. It's the same thing. This is what the uh, DCU has suffered from. Everything has was designed to sell a toy or something to a kid. Like it's yeah, all. It's, it's like they they design the costumes for the characters off of a toy. What can we? What is the makes the coolest looking toy? Let's yeah. make that the costume, right? Mm-hmm. With Gareth Edwards in Rogue One, like I think Gareth Edwards, like I loved everything he's ever made. Godzilla was great. His first film, Monster, was really good. Yeah. I love the tone and the feel and the grit of Rogue One. And Disney, mm-hmm. from what I from the interviews I read, they've locked him out of the editing room, mm-hmm. and they decide they cut out so much of what he did that they decided to bring in another like cookie cutter director to come in and clean things up. Brought in know. a yes man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you so know, I like that one, right? So, wait. Speaking of Mandalorian, what 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 do you think? Without spoiling it for Big Dog, you excited about the series going forward? I'm very excited. It's the first time watching, and I don't know if it's just because it's Star Wars and it holds a special place. Yeah, you know, for me. But it, it's the first time in a long while where maybe outside of a few put times in Game of Thrones. Where at the end of the episode, I was like, holy... <clears throat> yeah, I heard it at a wild ending, but I, I, nothing else. But, I mean, the ending, but... And and it's probably not going to get touched on as much. I'll leave early so you guys can talk about by, it. it. It does a similar thing, or it's at least giving me the indication, at least that it's going to shed light on parts of the Star Wars universe, like Rogue One did. That's not part of the main story. That's kind of ancillary but it gives you a better understanding of the big picture of the universe and things that go on. It's more like what's, what's happening while, you know, while, while the world of while the rebels are taking on the death star, what's the rest of the galaxy doing? Kind of. Right. I'm yeah. so with, with me, like I, it was weird. Cause it was the first time that I've ever watched a show and like, it felt like a 45 minute show felt like it was five minutes to me mm-hmm. cause I was so engaged in it. I just, you know, I love the the look and feel of it, the grit, you know, the the, it's like a Western. the film style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like I'm surprised, I mean they show this in the Firefly. Tra- Firefly. Yeah, yeah, but it was it's less comical. They they showed this in the trailer. So the guy the part where the guy gets pulled through the door, right? You hear the Like I was yeah. surprised Disney went there. Oh, really? But it was still like it felt They did it in in Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. It was, they, did, it was, they didn't directly it was, show it. It was implied. But it, it was implied. Yes. And I'm just like, that's I was like, that freaking cool. Yeah, and they they revealed enough to like make you want to know more about this character. But I really want to. The big questions that I have is like, I want to know what happened. To all these splinter factions of the Imperials that you know after the fall of the Empire, where did they all go? Does this somehow lead into the formation of the First Order? Like the First Order just seems like to me in the new films like a bunch of angry children. Like what makes them significant? Why should I care about them? Because I don't right well, now. Well, they are. Remember they kidnapped the kids to make the the stormtroopers. Yeah, that's that's true. But I they mean, are a bunch what, of angry children. Why should anyone even care about them? You know, like they seem like a much smaller force in the empire. So what makes them significant? Like yeah. I still don't understand that. Yeah, it, and, it was and, a, it was just a crappy job of like backfilling everybody on what what has happened between A and B. It's just like oh, like sixty years have passed and it's the same. Yeah, well, they just want, reversed. They want you to go read like the novels and stuff and the comic books. I don't have time for that. Show, oh, I loved the thrown out a bunch because they considered it not canon. Yeah, and now they're back. The, yeah, the legacy because it was so good. Yeah, yeah. the legacy series is that what yeah. they call it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so moving forward with Star Wars, you know, we're gonna jump over to video games here. Jedi Fallen Order. You know, I like. I'm really excited about this game. I don't. The, I see the Frostbite engine still has all the facial issues. <laughs> you can kind of see like the in the expressions, the eyes get almost weird. Is yeah, they get twitchy a little bit in the trailers. But what what do you guys think? Like, do you have high hopes for this game? Because I know there's a lot resting on this because this is actually canon. So Disney, there can actually be implications towards Disney if this does not play out the way that they are hoping it will. Yeah. My big question is, what are the romance options? That's my big thing here. How many planets are there to go to? Um, what's what's the what's the? How Captain Kirk conquering across <laughs> the galaxy can yeah. you be? Yeah, Han, Han Solo. That's over what here. I want to know. Solo what's the Reaper here. situation? <laughs> um, <laughs> can I kill my crew members? That's what I really want to from, know. From from things that that I've heard that have popped out through rumor mill stuff is that it looks to be a very 
not just a like a good game, but it's also a, a deep and layered. Experience. I hope so. I'm actually kind of excited which, about it. Which gives me gives me more hope that it's not just hey, here's a linear, you know, straight shot through like Force Awakens kind of was. I wish they would do it kind of how Assassin's Creed does it, where they have a lot of like lore based stuff in the game. So That's you what can, I'm hoping like, for too. Background all this stuff. On I. Yeah, no. I I went. I list, was been listening to podcasts like Giant Bomb, kind of funny. Those guys went to the event at Disneyland and played the game. They got three hours with it, and they said it's fun, but it's like some of the the planets you go to, they're so open that you get lost on them, and it takes you a while to backtrack to where you're supposed to go. Well, the first Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah, and mm, uh, which I kind of like, kind of don't like. No, like, I mean it's a I'm, double. It's a double. Yeah, I'm okay thing. with it. Kind of like Red Dead. It sounds like Almost you're going to have big. to, yeah. It sounds like you're going to have to set some time aside to yeah. fully explore, you know. And I'm sure there's like lore stuff hidden in there. It somewhere. would be legit if you could like hop on your speeder bike and troll the planet. Does yeah. does the fact that this game, you know, they're not admitting it, but it does have leftover assets from Amy Hinning's untitled Star Wars project she's working on with Visceral. The mall one. Yeah, the one that was like a mixture. Well. So one that had was like uh, had the uncharted exploration aspects to it. Yeah. So if you look in this game, you see the part where the Jedi he's like scaling the walls and he's swinging through vines and stuff. Does it concern you that this game might not have been built from scratch? It might have just been an afterthought to EA going, let's put something together real quick, and they're using assets that have already been built instead of creating something from nothing. From what I've read of Jason Schreier's thing about Anthem. And also from streams and stuff of people who are ancillary or involved in video game development, creating assets from scratch is difficult. It yeah. takes forever. All right. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you want to find back episodes of the show, you can find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Podbean, and other great podcasting outlets around the globe. And we're also now available on other great podcasting channels like the Pop Culture Cosmos. Big Dog, if they want to shoot us an email, where do they send it to? Topicocalypse at gmail.com. And purveyor of memes, Brett Cruz, if they want to find us on social media, where do they look? At Topicocalypse at all social memes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, it's been a pleasure to serve you. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis and we're back to close out the show this is pcc multiverse if you need a listing where we're at because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on radio stations worldwide check us out pop culture cosmos on facebook where you see a listing of our many of over 30 different podcast options as well jamie i know you got a great thing going on with with all the stuff that you're doing and all the stuff you're streaming on game source so tell us what's coming up for you with streaming on Game Source or any one of the other great channels that you do. All right now, you know, you can find me mostly on uh, lurking around Game Source's YouTube. I like hanging out there these days. It's kind of fun to show off of what, what's going on over in Game Source's world, which is a lot of um, what's going on in Cal's world. I don't know if you're all familiar out there, but Star Wars Fallen Order has come out. And I'm trying to take you on a step, you know, here and there through Cal's adventures. What I've played through the story is exactly what you're going to see played through. I have not advanced any further than what you see. So what I show you, you're getting it just as I'm getting it. And I want you to react just as I react. You know, if you see something and you have a question, let us know. Gerald's told you every way possible to get a hold of us and then some. And if you stick around for the rest of the podcast, I'm sure you'll hear some more. But yeah, just mostly working on Cal's story. Absolutely. And plus also there are recent videos up there from Jamie playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Fortnite as well. So check out the action today, Game Source on YouTube. And also, I want to give a big thank you before we go into your movie list, my friend. I also want to give a humongous thank you to Bill L., who sent in an email, his top list of his 10 favorite movies of all time. 
That's going to be part of a great list that we're compiling that we're going to announce in January, both on our popculturecosmos.wordpress.com site and, of course, right here on our Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse shows. If you want in on the list, because we're going to compile a big list of either top 100, top 200, depending on how many lists we get in, you want to go ahead and send it to us either on popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or any one of our social medias on GameSource, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Topicocalypse, the Lakers Fast Break, or Inside Sports Fantasy Football. You can go ahead and send it to us on any one of those outlets. I'll get a hold of it. Josh will get a hold of it. And right now as we compile this big list, we'll let you know in the month of January exactly where everything stands in your favorite movies of all time. Speaking of that, you have your list ready on your top 10 favorite movies of all time. So before we head on out, my friend, I got to hear your top 10 movies of all time. If it's anything like your video game list, man, I'm, I'm all ears, man. I'm all ears. See, again, he's putting me on the spot, everybody. And I don't know if I can live up to either one of these lists. But I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. So, oh, you know, we kind of touched on it when we were going off the air talking about where we were going. And, you know, obviously I made the Godfather pun. You can't have any kind of list for a movie without having the Godfather somewhere on that list. So, obviously the Godfather. And not branching out too much further from that. My boy Al Pacino, gotta love Scarface. I still love it to this day. Just saw that it came out in 4K and was like, oh my gosh, do I buy it for the, you know, fifth, sixth time? I think I went from beta, you know, now 4K. Ooh, beta. I said beta. That was scary. You're dating yourself there, man, for my friends. I'm scared. The kids have no idea what I'm talking about. They're like, beta what? What, He got into a beta for what game? What's an audio tape? Right? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, uh, the Untouchables. Yeah. That's definitely on there. It a little bit that's of a mobster, the Chicago way. That's a little bit Chicago of a mobster way. gangster trend thing going on. But those I don't know. Those movies had the most interesting stories for me. I mean, I could list off a thousand movies, but there's movies that were somewhat influential, like that. Um, whew. Do, 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 do. do I go into like say classics like you know, Reservoir Dogs, things like that? Pulp Fiction, those were great movies in my opinion. Kill Bill. Come on, who doesn't like Kill Bill? Volume 1 or Volume 2? Oh, man. Volume 1. You can't treat it as a whole film. I know Tarantino does. I know he he did splice it together and show it off in his theater. But no, right now technically it's two films. So which one? Volume 1. Volume 1. So that's 6 for you. That's 6. Oh, man. You really... This was rough because there's so many, but uh, I'm going to go with Star Wars A New Hope. That's number seven. That did seven. a lot for me considering it came out before I was even born, and I still saw that movie as if it was super influential and had no idea what I was talking about because I was like, what, a child? Do I say Blade Runner? I do. I say Blade Runner. Which one? I do. Oh. The original because it's the one I knew. Okay. I'll see the original because it's the one I knew. Okay. The original Fast and the Furious is hard. Hard as that is for me to say, that was when the franchise was about the cars. So I, I have to put that there. So that's nine for you, my friend. Nine great movies there on that list. Now you need one more. I know a lot of movies left on your your cutting room floor, so to speak, to use a Hollywood pun. Oh, sure. You know 90% of them are Marvel movies, too. Yes, exactly. So, got nine down. One more to go. Avengers Endgame, of course. That movie brought me to tears. Well, I'll tell you what. You were probably the highest of any of us as far as Avengers Endgame when we did our Avengers Endgame spoiler cast, which is one of our most listen to podcasts and thank you very much if you took the time for listening to it you think you were higher than anybody else so that is a great list my friend uh, i think a lot of people would would have no issues with what your thoughts are on there i think a lot of movies that are going to be very high up on this list are contained within your 10 so i truly appreciate you taking the time for going ahead and compiling that list and again if you want to be a part of this list Just go ahead and send your 10 choices of your top 10 movies of all time 
into us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos or any one of our affiliate shows and social media outlets. It's harder than he makes it sound, everybody. There's so many things on the cutting room floor. There is, but you know what? Uh, we got to go ahead and make a list somehow because it seems to be enjoyable. A lot of people got to kick out of our top 200 video games, so I like to do something comparable when it comes to movies as well. All right, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to speaking to me today. I also want to thank the guys from Topicocalypse for talking some Star Wars. But before we head on out, Star Wars is, again, going to be closed out on our list because Star Wars Episode Nine is just coming out in December, but a script managed to go ahead and leak out into the wild Somebody left it, I think, underneath their bed under or something. Bed, yeah. yeah, and, and then as they just as they left, they won't say which actor, but J.J. Abrams knows which actor it is, but he won't say and it on the really, air. He really, really wanted to say who it was, though. He, he did. did. He did. He wanted to call that person out, but he didn't. It turns out John Boyega actually lost the script. So it was found by a maid who gave it to somebody else to go ahead and sell it on eBay. And I think it got bought by someone who works within the frameworks of Disney. And it got sent back to Lucasfilm, a.k.a. JJ. So it's now in safe hands without getting out there too much. So it's kind of interesting how all this could have taken place and all this stuff could have been leaked out on the Internet and all that. And unfortunately, by the hair of their chinny chin chin, didn't get a thing out as of yet when it comes to Star Wars Episode Nine, which... It's kind of funny because, as you know, Disney with Marvel and now Star Wars, in fact, Carrie Russell, who plays a role in the latest episode nine, she talked about having to read her parts, which were only her parts by themselves and not anybody else relating to any other other scenes or anything that she's not involved in. But she had to read them under lock and key in a room with security buyers. So to tell you the idea how serious they are and to let that one script go is just mind-boggling but i want to ask you my friend let's say you had that unlimited gold credit card right there okay for just just a second so you're talking i have tony stark money yes you have tony stark money so i want to ask you this how much would you pay for a script of episode nine on ebay oh that depends on how much that maid was asking I mean, realistically, would you, if you had the expendable money, and that's that's why I said Tony Stark money, because this guy had expendable money to just spend on whatever he wanted. It seems, would I? I'd spend whatever it took. Here's the kicker to me, though, about all that whole situation: is it convenient to anyone else that a Disney employee just so happened to be looking on eBay and found this at the exact moment to save? This whole thing as a whole? I don't think it was coincidence. Right. Disney had certain individuals scouting out there, you know, on the dark web. And in this case, on the regular web to go ahead and be ready to go ahead and snag that that out there. So, but for me, I I think I would have paid, I I think I probably would have paid up to a million dollars, you know, if I had. I think so. A million sounds like a nice number. Because I would have been able to hopefully translate that out to see if I can sell it off for, you know, whatever's going on within, you know, sell the secrets out there little by little, little by little, hopefully oh, yeah. getting, that's when yeah. you find out if the mouse really values its property. Yeah. Something like that. Or, or sell it out to various media outlets. I say, okay, CBS, TMZ, somebody out there, you really want it? I'm going to throw this secret out for you, but it's going to be a chunk of change, my friend. Oh, you could sell your story to ABC and all that stuff. They could bank you out of an episode of What Would You Do? Exactly. Exactly. So there you go, my friend. Well, you can't do ABC because ABC it would want to go ahead and get the whole thing back. And it would, t- you know, since all tie in. Oh, ABC. that's true. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Not to ABC. You can't do- no, bad idea. Not to, not to ABC or FX or anything like that, Freeform or whatnot. Just, just you know. TMZ. Sell it to TMZ. There They're just going to say we have to go to Fox. So. There you go. Oh, <laughs> that would be ironic indeed. What are your thoughts out there on the Star Wars Episode Nine script leaking out there? And what would you pay for it on eBay if you had the chance? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time, for speaking to me today, and for, for being a part of the show. I cannot wait to have you back on once again. 
in the near future. I'm looking forward to all the great things that you're providing us here at Game Source Pop Culture Cosmos, not only here in 2019, but going forward into the next decade. So Oof. any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? It's been a pleasure. I just hope Josh is having a great time with the family. Deserves it. And I can't wait to be back. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. I mean, we've been doing this for a while, my friend, since, what, 2011? Yeah, I, c- I could have put us in that decade if, you know, if we were only a game. Uh, it just makes me even older as I say those words. So for Jamie Monroy, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Hey, pardon interruption, but do you want to learn more about love, anger, happiness, music, time, space, and the human race? I hope you do, because I'm here to beg you to listen to Soul Forge Podcast. We're your weekly dose of life and living here on the ESO Network. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and soulforgepodcast.com. A proud partner of the Rusted Robot Podcast here on the ESO Network. Let's find out together. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.